You know, it's Halloween. I guess everyone's entitled to one good scare. We all go a little mad sometimes. No, please don't kill me, Mr. Ghostface. I want to be... Excuse me, would Planet Terror be under P for Planet Terror or G for Grindhouse? Uh, it's actually under R for Robert Rodriguez. We categorize by directors here. Oh, thank you. Oh, hey, y'all. Welcome to the Carpenter Queens podcast, the weekly pop culture horror queer show where we talk the best and worst the horror genre has to offer. We come to you live from the TCQ video store. Oh, sorry. Wow, why is nobody ready? <laughs> That's terrible. You better leave that in there. <laughs> Your favorite VHS rental spot where you can pick up horror classics for only 69 cents a day. I'm Morgan Freeman. Do you have any bones in you collecting? I'm Raymond. What the f***? <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everyone. I'm the deludinoid known as Backbrace Girl. <laughs> <laughs> Still half true. Hello, everybody. It is week four of our Screamix month, and it has fully been in effect. Our celebration of the remake renaissance of the early aughts. But before we can begin in uncovering a morbid and gory step in our month of remakes, everybody, let's take a five. Thank you, five. Thank you, Thank five. You, five. <laughs> a new segment where we discuss whatever the f*** we want to talk about. It's my five. It's not on company time. So currently, The Batman is going through its fourth weekend by this time of this episode. How do we feel about the newest romp into Gotham? Have you seen so it yet? I know you haven't. Yeah, I have seen it. I know you haven't seen it yet. I have not. I, the okay, if I were to give like a one sentence review, it would be the most goth bisexual journey into Gotham ever. It is the best. I loved everything. I loved the art direction. I loved the cinematography. Zoe Kravitz can step on me, and I would thank her. And (laughs) I've always been a Robert Pattinson stan. I I I am Team Edward forever. But to see him in this role was great. Sad Boy Bruce is the best. You need to go watch it. You need to go watch it. Sad Boy Summer. (laughs) Sad Boy Summer forever. Uh, Yeah, it's definitely on my list. Like uh, Batman movies are are one of the few superhero movies that I actually enjoy. And it um, and it's one of the few like superhero movies that I've seen like every iteration of, except for the the Ben Affleck. I didn't, I didn't watch that. No, I'm um, sure. but I I still want to see it. I'm I'm really excited to watch it. The anticipation is killing me. So good. Please, please take the time to go watch it. Next on Thank You 5 is the 94th annual Oscars. They are around the corner, and we've discussed off of the show our relationship with the Oscars and how it's kind of changed. Uh, any Oscar contenders you like or want to watch or you are aware of? No, I'm not aware of any. See? Um, <laughs> like we've said off, off the pod... The Oscars, much like the Grammys, have kind of lost their significance, their weight. Yeah, weight and significance. Like they don't, they don't really make or break you these days, and they don't really mm-hmm. say a whole lot um, because of plenty of people who deserve these awards and accolades have been snubbed plenty of times. But you know, it, back in the day, or at least a few years ago, they used to be so much fun to watch. The big production. I used to be star, obsessed. The star-studded audience, the host. You know, most of the time it was like a good f***ing time. And these days it's just like, 
Mm, I'm bored. You did something. Yeah, you did something. <laughs> I don't know. But I used to be obsessed. I used to try and watch every single movie that was out for the mm-hmm. nominations. And then they extended the nominations list from like top five best films to like 10 now. I'm <laughs> like, you guys are ridiculous. Like, I can't do this. I don't know. It's just been honestly in my humble know-nothing opinion. It's just been so whitewashed and like oh, yeah. disintegrated down to like whatever you want to talk about. I don't know. I don't. There's not even a movie on there that I was like, oh, I need to watch this. I mean, I did watch Dune. Really like Dune. Don't know if I want to watch it again. I have yet to see House of Gucci and all the other runs. I, yeah, do, I don't know. No, I don't know nothing. So, uh, bye. <laughs> bye. Bye, 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 I, bye, see, bye, I don't bye, even, bye, 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 bye. I don't even know who's nominated. I, I know nothing. I know nothing. And I don't really care this year. There's worst things going on in the world right now. I didn't need to worry about the f***ing Oscars. No, no, no. I understand I went over my five, but it's totally fine. I'll make it up later. I'll stay in an extra 15 minutes. <laughs> Thank you, Five. It's time to open the Notorium Demento and release the abomination from resting. Let's get possessed and cause some mayhem when we talk this week's recommended rental, Evil Dead. Montos. And now, our feature presentation. This brutal flick is available to stream on Stars. Otherwise, you'll have to rent or purchase this one. And please absolutely find a way to stream this one. Let's go hotbox the cabin as we head on over to... 420, which is smoking. What did you smoke with this week's excellent watch? Um, what did I smoke? Gary Payton. <laughs> it's an indica. <laughs> no way. Is that the yeah. actual name? Yeah. The strain is called Gary Payton. And it's it's uh, tongue-tied. Gary Payton. It's an indica. And uh, he actually hits pretty mm. hard. It was good. It was smooth. It, it needed to keep me calm for the brutality and gore that comes along with watching this movie. You're absolutely right. What about you? What did we smoke with this week's screen? This week's screening, uh, for when I watched the movie, I ate an edible. It was Canna Punch's Stroop Girl Waffles. They're like little Belgium tiny waffles with like little sugar crystals inside. I like to put it in the microwave for like five seconds and take it out. So when you break it, it's like... Thank you, Five. Thank you, Five. Oh, shut <laughs> when you think about fuck it. up. It's delicious and tasty. And those also have a they claim to have a component called an NXT or next that's supposed to help activate within your system within like 20 minutes of ingesting compared to like an hour you normally oh, have to shit. wait for edibles. Yeah, they're really excellent. I really love the high. It's really behind the eyes and like you, I needed something to calm me down because we need to figure out which one of us is possessed and I want to talk about how did we come to watch this movie? Uh, I think we watched it together, didn't we? Yes, we did. Yeah, we went to go see it yes, in the theater. Because I remember the gag and Coopery because you love Evil Dead. You love Evil Dead. Love Evil it's Dead. one of your favorite horror franchises. And I enjoy it. I don't. I, I love Evil Dead. I think you're a bigger fan than I am. So mm-hmm. when we went to go watch this, I was like, mm. I was like, I was sure. I was excited to go watch it. Um, but that, I mean, I don't want to give my thoughts away, but the opening is what really like, I was like, oh, 
this is what we're doing. Okay. And I was mm-hmm. immediately in. And I remember, like, me and you were just gobsmacked by the time the movie ended. That is the best way to describe it. And you are right. I have a very deep love for the Evil Dead series. Bruce Campbell. Jesus Christ. <sighs> even, even now. Even now for even me. Now. I even now. I would do him in any decade. Any decade. And I'm so for it. But it's Bruce Campbell. It's the campy horror elements to it that I adore from the Evil Dead series. Mm-hmm. They're great. I even watched the TV series, Ash vs. Evil Dead. Mm-hmm. It's such a fun time. So well, the first season was coming up. First... <laughs> <laughs> I said I felt. Now, if you want to sit there... I remember being concerned with this remake, but like we've discussed throughout this whole thing, we we talked about we grew up on these remakes. So when this one came out, I was so stoked. Plus, this one kind of has a special place in my heart because when this was released, it was the first year that I moved to, to LA. Mm-hmm. When we first like finally started hanging out all over again because we used to hang out a lot during our childhood, you know, shipped off to Germany. And then here I was back in LA and this was, I think, one of the first few movies we ended up going to go watch again. And we hotboxed the shit out of that yes. car. Yes. We rolled up into that movie theater and both of us were just encapsulated and just enthralled with what this movie decided to uh-huh. do with this campy d- d- basis of a movie. Ugh. <laughs> it, uh, 100% agree because... Well, uh, for anybody who's seen Evil Dead, you know what Evil Dead is. You know that it's like it it walks this very fine line between camp and horror so well. Comedy horror at its best. Yes, and so when you think of a remake, you're like, well, usually, especially the, the remakes of the early aughts, definitely laid into the horror more, and that's definitely where this route went. Don't get me wrong, there's still notes of camp in here, but this leaned heavily into the horror and gore aspect oh yes so so far for our month of remakes we've discussed loose adaptations with house of wax and straightforward remakes with like texas chainsaw massacre with this addition to the month of screamix this flick is considered a quote soft reboot sequel more than an actual remake and i want to ask where do you stand on the reboot craze because as of lately we're getting like reboot sequels mm-hmm. a la halloween a la texas chainsaw massacre a la scream so, where do you feel on this what is it what did she call them in scream requels requels i i am on the fence because mm-hmm. this is now my like second third time run around with these renaissance of remakes and requels and doing this and changing story timelines it's a little jarring for people like us who grew up watching the classics and then the remakes and now we're getting requels um mm-hmm. so it's it's a bit much but I, I i can't sit here and say i'm not eating this shit up because i went i've seen almost every one of these except for texas chainsaw and i'm gonna watch it i just haven't gotten around to it um we'll talk about that in another episode <laughs> but i I don't know. I'm split because half of me loves it and half of me like sit here and critiques everything that's wrong with it. No, I see. I'm caught in that in between too. And that's also kind of where I feel like I want to say the fandom and the audience has kind of geared. People are now far more critical of the movies that they ingest, which is Mm -hmm. fun and I love it. Or we wouldn't be doing it here if we, if we didn't enjoy it. But these requels quote unquote are a mixed bag because sometimes they borderline pandering too much to an audience 
and it kind of alienates new people to come into the genre. Mm -hmm. And sometimes what they add, it just doesn't need to be there. Spoiler alert, for the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre, we bring back Sally. And for me, it is extremely unnecessary. (laughs) There is no need for Sally to be in this movie. So... It's just, like, things like that. Like, my biggest critique for the new Scream, and we have yet to talk about it. I guess it's a quiet time, everybody. Shh, everybody quiet time. We're fearful of talking about our opinions on the new Scream. Because we both have a mixed bag about how we feel about the new Scream. Mm-hmm. There's things that I love. There's things that not so Hate. much. And <laughs> so it's really interesting to see this Evil Dead soft reboot, requel, whatever you want to call it. Because it still follows story beats and storylines of the original Evil mm-hmm. Dead. It doesn't stray too far, but what it adds is just I love, I love what this requel tries to do. It really Same. it really pushes it. So tw- this 2013 iteration of Evil Dead is fascinating to me now that we're talking about it because it was so far ahead of the trend of this requel hello 2013 we're barely getting requels within the last two years so i love that and i also agree that i love that it follows the same story beats of evil dead but it definitely it was it's reworked for a new generation for sure yes Yes. But let's talk about this remake when we head on over to the VHS special features and find out how this movie was made. Evil Dead was released April 5th, 2013. It is quickly coming up on its 10-year anniversary. Jesus. We have a runtime of 1 hour and 31 minutes, and it is rated the hardest f*** R. I forgot to put it in this week's breakdown, but this movie was given an NC-17 because they wanted to push it as far as they possibly could. Mm -hmm. And then they had to change it because they wanted to not fully alienate people. I would love to see that. I wish they would release, like, a director's cut or whatever. Moving on to taglines. Fear what you will become. The most terrifying film you will ever experience. I don't like... The first one, but I do like the second one because I remember the second one being on all the posters, like in really big font with just the silhouette really the of Mia. And it barely even had the title "Evil Dead." It just said the <laughs> most just terrifying said, yeah. thing you will ever experience. Uh huh. And I don't want to say that it fully lived up to that experience. I will say it is the most gory film of that time, in that mm-hmm. period, on that moment. Jesus, this is amazing. Amazing. I think it gives, just gives a great example of how they're trying to adapt this remake. And it's f***ing fantastic. I agree. And in his feature film debut, we have Fede Alvarez, who would go on to direct the insane horror thriller, Don't Breathe. And he, did you know he just got picked up to do a new iteration of the Alien series? So he is really? going to be helming a new Alien reboot, sequel, whatever you want to call it. And I really hope... Really hope he brings it back to its roots of that, essentially a slasher in space, because I would love that. I I mean, I love both. I So, first of all, representation. Yes, we love to see it, to come through for the Alvarez. Mm-hmm. I loved Don't Breathe. I love Evil Dead. And if they can channel the same energy with what they did with evil dead for this reboot requel of what they're going to do with alien i will 1000 percent be on board because i love alien i do too i do too and i i i like 
the new Alien movies that came out, a lot of people think <gasps> you have Michael Fassbender making out with his own robot self. Oh, are you so talking about Prometheus and all that? Prometheus and Alien, re- whatever. Whatever the newest one was called. Annihilation or some shit. Clap if you care. Clap if you, clap if you care. For our script, the original screenplay was written by who else? Sam Raimi. Mm, come through. This screenplay was written by both Fede Alvarez and Rolo Sayagos. And according to the LA Times, Diablo Cody was hired to help polish up the script and help, quote, Americanize the dialogue. We love Diablo Cody. Go check out my freaky, one of my favorites, uh, Jennifer's Body. And hello, hello. If anyone's going to polish up my script, please let it be Diablo. I don't care what anyone has to say about her. For our cast, we have Jane Lovey as Mia Allen. Jane Lovey is, hello, she's also in Don't Breathe, who also worked with Fede. (gasps) So that also makes sense to me. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, we also have Shiloh Fernandez as David Allen. He sit on me. Wow. Just sit on me. Yes. Please. Yes, Lou Taylor Pucci as Eric. We have Jessica Lucas as Olivia. And welcome her back for the third time. TCQ alumni Jessica Lucas. We talked about her in minor, minor roles in The Covenant and in Halloween Town 2 Calabar's Revenge. <laughs> That's uh, quite the IMDb credits. We have, we have Elizabeth Blackmore as Natalie, Phoenix Connolly as the teenager at the beginning of our movie. We have Jim McLarty as Harold. We have Randall Wilson as the taker of souls in the abomination. We also have Rupert Degas as the voice of the demon in Cameo by Bruce Campbell Zaddy himself. He appears in an uncredited post-credit scene as our one and only Ash Williams. Groovy. Moving on to our review. <laughs> IMDb gave it a 6.5 out of 10. Metacritic, it was a 57 out of 100. Our friends at Letterboxd gave it a 3.3 out of 5. And Rotten Tomatoes, it got a 63% on the tomato meter and a 64% audience score. Uh, these are like passing. Passing, they I feel like. They are passing. I happen to like it more. Um, I also remember this kind of getting swept under the rug during this time period. For me, I remember there was hype around this movie, mm-hmm. and then I remember the hype just went, Cause this and is, she disappeared. This is at the end of this renaissance we keep talking about. This is at the very, yes, very yes. end of this remake renaissance. So I think that partly has to do with it. I think people were done. People were tired of it. Because like we've mm-hmm. said, there were so many remakes. So many remakes. So many. Last last week's episode, we literally went through a speed round of just half <laughs> of the remakes that were being released during this time period. Literally. So I think people were just burnt out on the remakes. They wanted something original. And I can totally see that. And I also really wonder if people compared, to, compared this film to the original Evil Dead. And I think it's extremely hard to, except for the fact that they're both based on the same things, mm-hmm. but they're totally, completely different. 100% agree. For our production, we have a budget of $17 million and a box office gross worldwide income of $97 million. I am not happy with an $80 million, like, up. Thank you. We're in the green. Good lord. That is a lot. For our pre-production, a remake had been in talks for the Evil Dead franchise for many, many years. And at some points, there had even been rumors of it fizzling out and going nowhere. But by 2011, talks have been brought up again, especially since original star Bruce Campbell and original director Sam Raimi, along with the original producer of Evil Dead, were behind it. I'm always worried when we get talks of reboots and remakes that don't have any sort of connection to the mm-hmm. original source. It's kind of, it's a little fearful. It's like when we're we going to shoot on my street. Oh, bitch. <gasps> mm-hmm. I said it. 
I think this came out the same year. No, it didn't. It came out years before. What am I thinking? No, it came out in 2000. I think it came out in like 2011 or 2010. Yeah. 2010. It's a it's it's a good sign. I'll take it as a good sign. Oh, a thousand percent. How are you going to? No, I would never. Like if I ever got the opportunity to like remake some horror classic or something, I would a thousand percent need blessings from the original actors, producers, directors, writers, what have you. I would at least want to be like, can you just look this over and give me any notes? <laughs> Does this get your no blessing? Notes. No notes. For principal photography, it took place over the course of a grueling 70-day shoot, and many shooting times were at night. They were split between the New Zealand set and a U.S. set, which was essentially just the cabin. The film itself utilizes our absolute favorite thing for horror. Practical on practical on practical effects. Mm-hmm. Bennett was adamant about using as much in-camera effects as possible, even though he has a background in CGI. This was to make sure to keep the tone of the original, which was extremely low budget, and use practical 80s effects. So all of this was trying to keep the film grounded and real, and I think that totally plays to its mm-hmm. benefit. The only CGI that was used to, was used to clean up certain things. Yeah. And that's about it. The, uh, hello, we're practical queen whores on this show. Are you fucking kidding me? Practical queen. Practical effects. Um, so... Practical it, queens were practical. <laughs> we save money sometimes. But it's 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 to the movie's benefit. And mm-hmm. I, I'm so, so happy that they decided to stick with practical in-camera effects. Because had you layered this with too many like CGI effects, it would have totally taken you out. And it wouldn't have been respectful to the source material. I think so. And I think that's what's fucked up a lot of the remakes that we talked about. Nightmare on Elm Street um, mm-hmm. is one of the first ones that come to mind because there was so much CGI used mm-hmm. in that remake Way compared to the original, which helps ground this sort of elevated material. Because this movie is about possession and an evil demon that comes from hell to take over and all of these other things. And I think if you were to use too much CGI, it would make it not as real by forcing us to see a split tongue with the blood coming out mm. i'm immediately grounded i i don't want to look at that thank <laughs> you our final girl jane levy was put through the ringer during filming mm-hmm. besides the story beat you must act in the sheer amount of physical and emotional exhaustion she endured must be noted a shot in the forest was a particularly brutal one covered in mud and freezing water and running and crawling in a swamp on action she would crawl and avoid being hit by a cameraman on a zipline zooming through to get the shot and this is not even including her being buried alive and having to endure seven days of non-stop bloody rain at the end of a grueling shooting schedule this poor actress uh, there's points in she had a diary on certain points of it I, I would definitely suggest watching the special features it's really really cool to see she did keep a video diary on certain days and she even talks about there was one particular moment where she just couldn't do it she didn't she was extremely tired and she kind of had a meltdown because she wasn't hitting the shot she was supposed to hit i think it's hilarious because it's the scene when she's muddied and running and she yelled back at the cameraman i can't see my f***ing shot because i'm covered in mud it's i feel so 
bad for her because she's not only having to sit in your makeup chair, depending on the look, for an hour mm-hmm. up to five hours, having to do all of these emotional beats, which we'll talk about, because this movie doesn't just go there with its practical and like gore. It goes there with also an emotional beat, which is some of my favorite stuff. I talk about it in Texas Chainsaw, and it's here again. God damn it, Jane Lovey. I give credit so much credit. No notes. I've got no notes for Jane. She did the damn thing. I agree. Uh-huh. And... This was a very physical role. It was a very physical Mm -hmm. role for her. However, we do say all this. It should not take away from what the rest of the cast had to endure as well. Like Jessica Lucas having to be relentlessly puked on by a tube pouring buckets into her Uh. open mouth. (laughs) That is some chunky, red-looking, barfy, (laughs) bloody, like, grossness. And Lou Taylor Pucci, poor guy, Eric... Eric. <laughs> Eric gets put through it as well. Oh my god, poor Eric. It's the Eric. it's the needle for me. Mm. Speaking of needles, go to our fun fact. Oh my god. Oh, wow. Due to the film's progression of horror, it was primarily shot in order, which is a very uncommon practice. And this was partly due to the majority of the film being in a controlled environment of one location. So like the set of the of the cabin got visibly more decrepit and bloody and gory as everybody died so they had to kind of shoot it in sequence which is like we said very rare very rare and i like it because i feel like your actors can get in a better mind frame of going through the actual step yeah of jumping around from scene to scene mm-hmm. and finally reportedly the film would use up to seventy thousand <laughs> gallons of fake blood with about fifty thousand of it going to the finale scene alone they had to develop a different sort of rain mechanism because of the dye and the different substance they had to put in it so it wouldn't clog there's just a ridiculous amount of actual blood rain going on you should see people hosing down the roof just to give it more blood i felt so bad for jane it was seven days of just being anyone if you've never experienced fake blood on a movie set there's different consistencies for different things for different mm-hmm. stuff you have to do some of it's super super liquidy and like water so that way it's easy to work with but the worst and the one that she mainly had to play with is the stuff that's literally like molasses and she had it in her hair in her eyes it's ugh, i couldn't i couldn't i couldn't really cry the hair in the eye of the water i would cry i would cry You're so stupid. that is insane I thought for mm-hmm. sure they had like overlaid it with some CGI blood rain. But I see I see where all that blood went. I definitely see because this finale scene is insane. It's sick. Incredible. Sick. Speaking of sick, I'm gonna go throw up before I become possessed and we'll be right back after <laughs> We'll be right back after these messages. Our movie opens with a young girl aimlessly walking through some super spooky woods. She realizes she's being followed by someone and hides behind a tree only to be taken down by another man standing behind her. They'll throw a sack over her head and pistol whip her. The young girl awakens in a cellar littered with dead cats hanging from the ceiling and a blind witch reading from the Necrocomicon. The young girl pleads for help when out from the shadow steps her father. She cries and pleads for him to untie her, but he only replies with... You're not my daughter. The witch is yelling for the man to follow through with their plans and cleanse the young girl. 
He agrees and pours gasoline over her head. She continues to plead and cry, and it's not until he strikes a match that her true self is revealed to be a demon. She threatens to rip out his soul as she is engulfed in flames. The father then pulls out his shotgun to finish the job. He breathes an audible sigh, and we cut to an epic title card. Woo! Oh my this god. Opening. This opening. These are the kind of cold opens that I like. I need, especially for like a remake or a, what would we call it? Shriekwell or whatever? Screaming? Whatever. A requel. Requel, thank you. We need a gut punch of an opening. I need a gut punch of an opening. And this was that oh my gut punch. God. It's, it's, it's straight to the gut. Oh my God. Um, let's first talk about environment and atmosphere. How do you feel about the atmosphere of this movie compared I to the original? Love it. It definitely, it definitely has like the same tone. No, 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 no. That's not fair. It's the same environment, just amped up. I love the over budget. I love the overabundance of fog. I love that you can't see through the trees. I love all of it. The aesthetic is very pleasing to me. It's very, very pleasing, especially when we get into the cellar. And this setup is so demented and should give you a clear fucking sign of where we are headed. Because we're so immediately you are with this girl. You think we're going to follow this girl. You sympathize with this girl. And when she gets kidnapped by what I thought were her lilies, because we caught the bitch. <laughs> yeah. But it, she's end up tied up with barbed wire and gag of the century. And you become so confused when she just says, daddy. And it's just like, what? Mm-hmm. What is happening? And it is just the most up conversation mommy is dead baby you know that you killed her you did and you're just while all of this other stuff is happening there's dead cats on the ceiling it smells it's an episode of horrors and i'm very terrified (laughs) it's great because you immediately like you start sympathizing for the girl you think like she's being accused of like witchcraft and they're gonna burn her at the stake and it's not until all this tension has built and the dad finally, like, oh, especially when he douses her in gasoline and she's, like, crying out to him. And he feels bad as well. And it's not until he strikes the match that you see her true form. And it's horrifying. It's such a fun design. I really enjoyed the original design from the, um, the original Evil Dead. Mm-hmm. I think it's so fun. It's very campy. This just takes it to a realm of, like, a medical book. Does that make sense? It looks like someone who has intense rabies to me. Yeah, it looks like, um, my God, what's that zombie movie? 28 Days Later. Thank you. It looks like 28 Days Later. It really does. But what sells it for me, and everyone in this movie does it, is their acting. Because before she transforms, she d- she gives the best finally line reading. And I really hope she was hired on the spot if she set this line. Is, please stop. I will rip your soul out, daddy. <laughs> yeah. And then she switches, and it's, I'll rip your soul out, you pathetic Mm-hmm. Motherfucker, I will kill you and kill your whore. And you're just like, <laughs> Reagan's here. Yeah, and then that's when he throws the match and she's engulfed in flames and she goes full on demon and it's just Mm-mm. saying all these horrible things to her and then he's got to finish her off and pulls up the shotgun and blows her brains out and that's when we get our epic title card and it's like it's almost insidious like with the music i wasn't gonna do the same thing it's very insidious and i love it for that i just it's it's bizarre you know what i mean mm-hmm, i agree what the fuck does that mean we get some beautiful scenic shots of David and his girlfriend Natalie driving out to a cabin in the woods to meet David's friends and sister. 
When they arrive at the cabin, they're greeted by Olivia with a passive-aggressive comment about how they met and are quickly introduced to Eric, who is also passive-aggressive because David is two hours late. Lastly, we meet our Ash, if you will, Mia, who is sketching, smoking a cigarette behind the cabin. Mia is surprised to see David there, and even more surprised to see their family dog, Grandpa. He gifts her with a necklace made from a buckthorn tree that's supposed to make her Kelly Clarkson stronger. You're so stupid. Not Brittany stronger. After a somewhat tender moment, Mia decides to start what they went to the woods to do. Cook mess. I mean detox. Mia ceremoniously throws the last of her generic white powdery drugs into a conveniently placed well. Okay. Um, Before I want to go into the relationships, let's talk about each character and just how you feel about each of them. Olivia. She's passive aggressive and kind of a bitch. I love it. 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 I really dig it because I did. Go ahead. We'll keep talking. Olivia, how do you feel about Eric? Uh, Oh, the nerdy one with the glasses. Yeah, he's also passive aggressive and kind of a dick. And then lastly, you wrote in the notes, we meet our Ash, Mia. I beg to differ, and I think that they kind of knew that nobody was going to, no one could be Ash except for Bruce Campbell. Mm -hmm. And what I feel like they did is they kind of created an Ash-like character by splitting them up between David and Mia. Because I see the aspects in both. I see more yes in Mia, especially once we get to our finale and she gets her signature uh, piece, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So... I think it got really coolly separated in this, and immediately you get a whole different kind of type of tone for a cabin in the woods type of movie. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I so I maybe I didn't word that correctly. I only say that Mia or Mia is our Ash because she's our like main protagonist. And yes, while everybody else does get their own highlight and own spotlight yeah own like own like 15 minutes if you will in the movie mia is still our final girl and we follow her all the way to the end i'm not in any way don't drag me all i'm not in any way comparing her to ash like you very much said only bruce campbell can do ash and like you said period fede alvarez i think no like knew that and like you said they split them between david and mia which i i agree i see both aspects of ash in both of them as well this movie and what I want to give credit where credit is so f-ing due. We talked about this runtime is 90 minutes. So there's not a lot of, there's, you gotta, let's go in, let's go out. This movie cleverly, cleverly plays with the trope of a cabin in the woods and teens just going out to have a good time. Cause that's mm-hmm. what we did in Evil Dead in the original. We went out there to party and have a good time. We'd completely switch it up and we figure out that this is going to be somebody's detox Mm -hmm. this is a group of friends who are passive aggressive because of somebody's addiction because of their relationships together and you are just thrown in immediately and i love that i think it is such a clever strong way for me to care about you in such a quick amount of time because i know all of these characters very quickly right off the bat (laughs) right i also have to know love the fact that this cabin is literally just like, oh, let's just take the 1981 and plop it right here. It is the same cabin. Mm-hmm. We know the setting. And Ash's car I, is even outside. Thank you for mentioning it because it's in every iteration of Evil Dead. And so they had to bring it for the for the remake. Hello. Um, but yes, mm-hmm. I too love that they literally just took the cabin from Evil Dead and was like, Bloop, we're going to use the same cabin. You have to pay homage. Mm-hmm. You have to pay homage. You have to do a little bit of fan service. If that's the fan service you're going to give me, I'm all about it. But I agree. I agree. I love that they switched up. 
their motive for going to the cabin and instead of going out and partying and having a good time. No, we're coming out here to close out the rest of the world and help our friend detox. It's such a clever, clever, clever concept because immediately there's an emotional play that is created. There's immediately emotional context and risks. I would love, honestly, love to see this as a play. I think it'd be such a good concept. You for say play. this about everything. And I say it because they actually turned Evil Dead into a musical. Of course, I know they did. It, oh, so good. I just, I, I'm gonna keep fixating on this concept because I think it corrects a lot of things that people have problems with when they talk about things like this. Like, one of your characters is an RN, so immediately gives you a sense of, we have someone who can take care of wounds, blah, 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 Because I hate watching movies with people who are like, this isn't realistic. <laughs> this creates a realistic concept of they cannot leave because they're trying to help her, not just they find some stupid shit and they can't leave. No. Although, Eric is the audience member that we cannot stand. I'm, I'm going to mention this later. 100%. Eric's the idiot. He's the f***ing teacher of the group. What are you teaching them? Oh, won't somebody please think of the children? The group decides to head into the cabin only to find out someone has already broken in. After finding no evidence of squatters, they chop it up to teenagers drinking and f***ing in the once empty cabin. After complaining about the smell, Mia goes back to her old room. She looks over her old childhood photos pinned to the wall and asks David if he remembers a lullaby their mother used to sing to them. When he tries to shrug it off, Mia guilt trips him about not being present when their mother was on her deathbed. He gives her some terrible excuse and rushes out of the room. Later, David is repairing the front door while Mia and Natalie play with the dog. Natalie is approached by Olivia and Eric who shoot down David's optimism, saying this exact thing happened the summer prior. Mia made the same empty promises and theatrics about going cold turkey, and she only lasted eight hours at that time. They say that this time, they don't let her leave and she won't survive another OD. David is shocked to hear not only that this isn't her first intervention, but that she's also overdosed. They clarify that she not only overdosed, she legally died, and they had to defib- I can't say that every single time that <laughs> word has come up, when we read story beats, I cannot say defib- def- <laughs> You still can't say it. You better leave it in. This is- it's absolutely going to have to say defibrillator. D- yes. Defibril- defibrillate. Thank you. Yes. Defibrillate. Defibrillate. They clarify that she not only overdosed, she legally died. They had to defibrillate her. I, I feel like I said that wrong, but whatever. We're moving on. We're moving on. We're moving on. Okay. More dynamics. This is so clever. This happens within our first 10 minutes, everybody. And I love it. It makes so much sense. It shuts down any holes you might have inside of your theory of why don't you just leave? Mm-hmm. And this continues. The story continues to do this. FedEx knew the horror genre had particular tropes and we we're going to shut those down immediately. Yeah. He, I love it. He definitely comes up with an excuse for everything, which I enjoy. Um, but my first problem is the fact that this cabin has been broken into and they're just like, no, oh, we'll go in. We'll stay. We'll make it livable. We'll make it livable. It's fine. We'll make it work. But I like I said, this is this is kind of my favorite part because this is where David's feeling optimistic because Mia's doing fine. She's mm-hmm. playing with the dog. She's getting to know his girlfriend. Oh, she's doing great. He's trying this to be fine. like, oh look, I'm the big brother coming back who like ignored you, and the, everything's fine now. Bitch, you know we're what I mean? an hour into her detox. Of course she's fine. She's still high. <laughs> so and then this is when Olivia and Eric are like, no, we're gonna give you a reality check and. They uh, 
kind of exposition dump on him, but in a, in the best way possible. It's not like we're giving you a bunch of terminology and all this shit that you need to know. We're just saying like, like you covenant thirteen ghosts. Yeah, we're just saying like, hey, you've been wrapped up in your own little world in your city boy life. Your girl's a drug addict. She's had a she's overdosed. We've done an intervention before and it didn't work. This is the end all or be all. But it immediately. The, it's like a click. You're like, that's why they're passive aggressive. This is why they don't like David. Like it makes all of the sense. And I love it. I love it because it drops it and you don't have to worry about it. You don't have to worry about anything else. And this is where in the movie, I, I remember feeling I'm in good hands. We're in good hands right now. Like we're about to be taken on a trip. And that is something I need to feel as an audience member, because sometimes when I don't feel like I'm in good hands and then things start getting crazy, mm -hmm. I'm not on board with you. I'm on board with you right now. I want to see the drama, mama, mama, mama. Yeah. Usually within the first 15 minutes of almost any movie, you can kind of get a sense of, oh, this is either gonna be really good or really bad. And like you said, mm -hmm. we're like, oh, okay. So you have like really good, solid reasons for being here. I like this. Right? Right? Ooh. Ooh. And once again, the aesthetic of the apartment and the, the cabin, a decrepit-looking cabin that feels familiar for them, I think is so neat. Mm -hmm. I like that they, this is like their family vacation cabin or whatever. Like, this thing right? looks like it's been sitting there for 40 years. What do you mean you guys came out here in the summer? Thank you. Oh, we also learned about our dead mom. Yeah, there's a dead mom. She's dead. <laughs> She's dead. She's dead. She's dead. Doesn't really well. Dead, 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 I guess dead. it kind of does do something for the story, but uh, it's it's there. It is. It's there. Remember it. Put it in your back pocket because it causes drama later. We cut to later that night where Mia is having a meltdown as withdrawal sets in. She's screaming about a stench. A moment later, the dog confirms Mia's belly aching when they find the cellar full of dead cats and the Necronomicon that Eric brings back upstairs. The book is wrapped in plastic and bound with barbed wire. Mia states that they shouldn't have touched anything down there and marches back to her room. The next day, Mia's withdrawal symptoms have worsened, and she spends her day walking around in the rain, soaking wet. Back in the cabin, Eric cuts the wires and unwraps the book, and despite its many, many warnings, he continues to read from the book. After reading a verse in Latin, he unknowingly summons a demon that possesses Mia, who is outside. She immediately vomits and runs inside. At first, she begs for someone to take her home. When everyone reveals that there's no leaving the cabin for Mia, she lashes out at David and she breaks the necklace that he gifted her. She grabs the car keys and manages to escape through her bedroom window. She jumps in the car and speeds away. When she finally gets on the road, she swerves off course to avoid hitting what looks to be herself. So this is like a great way of setting up Mia to sound crazy with like nobody yes. else believing her because they're just like it's the withdrawal it's the withdrawal she'll say anything to get out of here da 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 so they don't believe anything that she's saying and it's you feel terrible for Mia when I say that Mia goes through it she goes through it I need to mention some of these lines. These lines, some of these lines, I didn't realize because when we were first watching it, I'm sure I was just absorbing everything in. But it, some of these lines are secretly just like the shadiest little f***ing things, because uh, she's complaining about the smell. I can't stand the smell. How could you guys stand it? You're just, you're just super sensitive right now. And then later on, when we find the dead cats, what's your medical diagnosis now? It f stinks. <laughs> <laughs> 
You shady little f- <laughs> I love it. I like that there's little there's little nuggets, little baby nuggets mm-hmm. of like some humor that is from the original. But it, the seller of dead, mummified, disgusting cats is a whole Ooh. level of wretched. That, that, no. 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 Just no. The, the minute that the dog would have started freaking out, I would have been like, we have to wrap it up. <laughs> wrap it up. We got to go. We got to go. Also, don't touch shit. What is with people? When you, if you see it, so look look me in the eye. My one good eye. This one's lazy. <laughs> but you wouldn't touch shit, would you? No, f- no. Especially nothing that was wrapped in plastic and bound in barbed wire. Why would I touch that? It's clearly not meant to be touched. And the only smart one is the drug addict. She says you shouldn't have touched anything from that <laughs> Excuse me? The one that nobody wants to listen to. But I want to talk about this iteration of the Necrocomicon. This one also just has a different name. Technically, I don't know if it's considered the Necrocomicon. Yeah, they don't ever call it, it that. It is considered... Book of the Dead. Yeah, technically it is... Or the, yeah, the Book of the Dead. This one is technically considered the Naturum Demento. Demento. Whatever. Mm-hmm. It's Latin. I don't know that shit. But I can't say enough good, creepy, horrible things about this thing. I love it. I love the layerings. I love the original text layer. Mm-hmm. I love the decrepit, creepy layer of like the, it disintegrating. And then I also love that somebody's notes were written in there. Even though he blatantly ignores every single one of these warnings. I'm not lying when I say there are literally warnings. There says, don't read this book, close this book, don't say this, don't say that. You're going to summon this and da 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 da. And of course, like any dumb horror movie character, he just ignores all that. Um, even goes as far as to like do that, like what I can only describe as like an archaeological type of technique where he gets the paper and rubs a like lead pencil over Smarry it. It's the spy shit. Um, it, it's just doing the most, but I have to agree. I love this iteration of the Necronomicon, not Necronomicon. Um, it's very updated, so it feels real in this new universe because it doesn't have the face on anymore, which I don't mind. Um, but it yeah. does still look like it's bound in human skin. I love it's protected by magic. <laughs> I love all the like Latin and hieroglyphics that are on there, along with all the great, the great. Thank you. I was just about to say the great imagery that's in there of the the abomination crawling out of the dirt, um, oh. the pouring of the boiling water. Uh, just everything, it's a precursor to everything that's coming, and it's great. Great. And then immediately after he says the cursed words, we get, this is what I was hoping for, and they beautifully gave it to me. It is beautifully done. It is iconic in the Evil Dead series of having the camera just zoom. Mm -hmm. Zoom through the forest. Zoom through whatever high tops we can get it, because this is how Sam Raimi made this movie look even better. It was literally him running. They actually crashed through a window in the original filming of this movie. So, the fact that they brought it back and used it as the spirit is like "Mm, it warms my Necrocomicon heart. It really, Mm -hmm. truly does, and it smacks Mia in the gut, and I. This is just I. F- gear up, bitch. These are these little bits of fan service that Fede um, sprinkled in, and it's just enough to keep the fans happy while still remaining true to like his vision, and it's fantastic. It- it doesn't alienate the audience of if they've never seen the original Evil Dead. If you're an mm-hmm. Evil Dead fan, you're like, oh f- yeah, that's that. That's from movement. Evil Dead. Yeah. Well, 
Thank you. Well, as an audience member, you're just like, this is a cool camera movement. So I appreciate it a lot. Agreed. You can't tell by the soaked puddle of that <laughs> going on around me about this movie. From here, we admit she's now becoming possessed and she wants to leave. And we get the... We get some great character dynamics, people. And this is the stuff that I look for in my horror movies because it's just, Mia, we are trying to help you. Well, f*** you very much. And then she leaves. Like, this is the best. <laughs> like, give me these lines. It's really good. And it gives an excuse as to why she stole the car, why she's going, and the lines of, What the f*** am I doing? What the f*** am I doing? What the f*** am I doing? <laughs> she's losing it. She's freaking out, man. She's freaking out in the car. <laughs> and then she almost hits, like a demon ghost version of herself standing in the rain sure it's, you want to talk about evil mia because we see evil mia a lot it, it's nothing that i dislike i don't dislike it it's just something new that they added for this iteration i guess in in my eyes and in my opinion it it's like a visual representation of mia being possessed like obviously this demon has already made it inside her and so when she starts to see these visions of evil mia or the abomination i feel like it's just more of the demon slowly taking over yeah that's exactly it and i think that's why i love it so much because if you want to get deeper and philosophical with me for a second it also represents the evil part of mia that she's trying to banish and get rid of i.e the drugs Mm -hmm. her addiction her detoxing and all this stuff so it's really interesting to see her have to fight her literal evil dark side, her evil self throughout the rest of the movie. And I think it really adds a wonderful layer without being too preachy or too much. I really like her design. Mia comes to after being knocked unconscious in the crash. She makes her way out of the car and into the swampy water. As she makes her way into land, she hears David's voice calling out for her and we get a jump scare by Swamp Demon. Mia runs away and is entangled in some vines. Her entanglement only worsens when the demon catches up to her and sends vines up her between me down there. We join the others back in the cabin after they have rescued Mia. After a quick back and forth, they decide to stick to their original detox plan as they think this is Mia trying to get back home. Eric continues to read from the Necrocomicon, even translating some of the language. Olivia comes in and tries to rectify the relationship to which Eric wants no part of. I want to talk about the jump scare that is my absolute favorite in this movie, and it's the swamp creature. It's when she's still in the water and she looks over to see what's left of like the car and the water, and it's just a single shot, and everything is still, and then all of a sudden the thing comes out of the water in the slickest move. It's my favorite. I think it's such a fun scare. It's a fun. She's so fun. It's it's fun still, girl. It still got me. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. This is... Yeah, it was a great jump scare. This is still one of those ones that got me. And it's one of the few, like, jump scares that we have in the movie. I feel like Mm -hmm. um, none of the scares in this movie are very cheap. No, not at all. I would very much agree. The chase is great. I really dig the chase. And it goes into trigger warning, I will state. Essentially, the uh, uh, the the raping of Mia and it entering the in her... It's so... I don't know how to talk about this scene. Because this scene's still terrifies me even in the original evil dead when we get that sequence of the tree raping mm-hmm. it's a lot this one just it's so visceral and mia's final scream until they cut to olivia and everyone else is the most like blood curdling pain scream i've ever heard because she tries to scream and nothing comes out until a few seconds and then like this ugh, it's a lot and jane lovey sells it for me 
I don't really have the same sentiments. Like, yes, I think really? it's very visceral and it can be triggering. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to discredit that. It is a very brutal scene. Um, mm-hmm. But for myself, like, evil vines and, like, a tree <laughs> penetrating a woman or, you know, uh, making unwanted sexual advances just seems so otherworldly and outrageous and campy that i can't really get on board with it that's just my own personal opinion though Um, and that's not to discredit jane's portrayal in the scene or the visceral brutality of the scene it's still very much that but for some people especially if you're not familiar with the evil dead this can definitely read as camp um and like take you out yeah um, but mm-hmm. I, I, I still enjoyed it and I still think it's a very brutal scene, but I think if you're not original with, if you're not familiar with the original source material, this could seem kind of out of place. I can see that. And even in the original source material, <laughs> but that whole movie <laughs> yeah. is camp upon camp. So it's like, oh, okay. The tree's attacking. This one for me, I think it it's the subject matter mm-hmm. because every time that subject matter comes up it's a lot and the way it's depicted is just so brutal and the fact that mia has no control that's where i think it comes where that like fear yeah. comes from for me but it is it's excellently cut and we go into the next scene of no one like still believing mia even though she's clearly going through <laughs> it they will like i said they all just chop it up to her detoxing and thinking I don't know. She's essentially going mental from the detox. It's. I don't even know if it was the drugs. I think it's what the drugs have done to her and her relationships with everyone. Everyone's fed up with it at this point. I think this is the last straw for everybody. Yeah. And I think that's why it adds such a great layer of drama into this. I talked about the seriousness of this movie, and everyone can clearly hear me being passionate and nerdy and trying to break this down. For years, for years, there's one particular line that would, it still makes me laugh. And it's, it's Jane Levy is trying to give it her best when she's talking to David and there's like a single light here. Can I fix this? Oh my God. I already know. I already know. And it is my favorite thing on the planet. You remember, right? I used to quote that consistently. Consistently. If I wasn't happy about being at a place, I would just turn to Jackie and be like, Jackie, Jackie, Jackie. Jackie, we need to get out of here. Get me out of here. I need to go. There's demons here. Yeah, it still kind of made me laugh a little bit. It's I, (laughs) I mean, you can't have an Evil Dead movie without it being a little campy, funny, cheesy, whatever. Like, but the thing is, I know she's, I know she's trying to. She's giving it all. (laughs) (laughs) You know what it was? It was the angle. It was the lighting, and it was her delivery. Sorry, girl. Uh, So everything else was spectacular. So it was the home. So it was no, just the scene, just the scene. Everything else we praised her for. Like, it's got so many impressions, and I'm probably the fucking worst. Like, it's I'm the worst, but it's yeah. We know you're the worst. Ah. What do you do successfully? Quickly. Outside, David is taking out the trash when he notices a trail of blood that leads to the tool shed. It's the family dog, Grandpa. He was bashed to death with a hammer. Angry, David goes back inside to confront Mia, only she's taking a hot shower, like an extremely boiling hot shower that even causes a small fire at the fuse box. 
David manages to break down the bathroom door only to discover Mia seizing in the shower as her skin is being boiled off by the scalding water. They attempt to drive her to the hospital, but the road is completely flooded from the storm. They take Mia back to the cabin and attempt to sedate her until the water subsided and they can drive her to get help. As a group of friends argues about whose fault this is, Mia makes her way from the bedroom, shotgun in hand. She is dead behind the eyes and walks crookedly, snapping her neck and joints as she does. The group tries to talk to her, but it falls on deaf ears. Mia raises the gun and shoots David right in the shoulder. After the gunshot, the front door burst open, flooding the cabin with wind, screams, and chants, culminating in Mia exclaiming in a demonic voice, You're all going to die tonight, before passing out. Fuck me. Yes, 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 yes. We are going full possession evil dead here. You know in movies or in songs, it's like the remember the THX theater songs? And yes! it's, it's, and it's just like the, the audience is listening. And it's just it's this I miss is that. I do too. This is what it feels like for this movie. We're just going 180 right now. We're going full Sam Raimi at this oh point. Oh my god, it's so intense. But the singeing, I want to talk about the singeing of the skin. That is creative as f- I've never I had never seen that up until that point, and it's fucking disturbing. I like hot showers. I love hot showers, but second degree burns. Mister Burns is not happy. Even third degree. I but I also love that it's uh, intercut with Eric still deciphering the book, and so you see the imagery of the boiling like out of the actual book itself, the imagery of the demon pouring boiling water on its body. It's great. It gives you a lot of. It keeps you within reference of the book, so it's telling you like this is all going according to plan. This is how things are happening. It's it's so excellently done, and we get the like our full official possession she was foaming at the mouth when we tried to take her to the flood that's another thing it's another plot point where it's like they cannot escape now there's a flooding so when yeah. we bring her back and she is now fully possessed i think it's wicked because it's just chaos honey it's chaos everybody's arguing everybody's at each other's throats things are not good and then she comes out and she has the shotgun in hand and she's twitchy mcgee over there and it's Excellent. Excellent. One by one, one will take you. And I love the way you delivered it. You're all going to die tonight. And then she just like passed. Oh, thank God. So really quickly, she saunters into like the living room, like Regan from The Exorcist. I half expected her to piss herself, which (laughs) comes later on in the movie by another character. And then, you know, she comes up with the gun and everybody's like freaking out, obviously. And they're telling her to put the gun down. And clearly, if she's not paying attention and she's, like, neck-snapping and twitching, you might just want to either tackle her or take the gun from her. Because she's not going to respond. Yeah, I don't But anyway, it. I digress. She shoots David. And then this, like you said, this is our THX moment where we ramp up and we go full Evil Dead here. And we get the great bursting open of the door and all the swirling and the chanting. And this, you just, it's great Foley and sound design. And then it's it, so it just loud. goes. It's so visceral. It's it's so loud, and then it just goes silent, and then that's when Mia delivers her iconic line, and then she just <laughs> hits the ground. It's and it's all it's, quiet again. 
the, it's the I think it's the editing, it's the acting. I also didn't know until I watched the special features was that all of that was pretty much done in camera. The wind, the lights, and everything flapping and going crazy was done in camera. So J Jane stated a lot that it helped a lot with her performance because it gets everybody just in that mm -hmm. mood. And fuck, does she sell it for me? She sells it for me. The twitching freaks me out a lot. Oh, the sound design for the twitching and then like neck cracking and. This movie's so well done. Olivia very slowly attempts to retrieve the dropped gun when Mia grabs her arm and straddles her. Olivia comes face to face with the now-possessed evil Mia, and Mia vomits blood, guts, something into Olivia's mouth and all over her face. Olivia shoves Mia off of her and through the open cellar door, knocking her all the way down. Eric quickly shuts it and locks it. David yells for Olivia to shoot her up with more tranquilizers, and Natalie runs to get her tweezers from her bag to help with David's wounds. Eric voices his concerns to David that he doesn't think this is just some panic attack set off by a detox. He theorizes that it is all in connection with the witchcraft going on in the basement. <laughs> in the bathroom, Olivia quickly washes the puke off her face before getting the sedatives from Mia. As she attempts to open the syringe, she's jump scared by a vision of herself in the mirror. When she runs out of the room to finish up the syringe, the possession sets in and Olivia soils herself while seizing. Eric comes to look for her after hearing a suspicious noise. He barges in to find an empty room and Olivia hiding out in the bathroom. When he walks into the bathroom, he's horrified to see Olivia self-mutilating with a broken shard of the mirror. As Eric walks back in terror, he slips on the blood on the floor, hitting his back on the toilet. Olivia quickly moves in and stabs him with the glass over and over. And then she picks up the empty syringe and begins to repeatedly stab Eric in the eye and face until he kicks her off of him, knocking her head on the counter, breaking off a chunk. He then uses the piece of broken porcelain to beat her to death. My God. Like I said, I we have hit the here. pedal Jesus. to the metal. Pedal to the metal. You're also sitting in a closet, Jackie, with a hot light on. So Not a joke, it's, just a fact. But, oh my God. Oh my God. Okay. Where do you want to begin? Because this sequence is just terrifying. With Olivia Mia, this is part of my favorite part so olivia very stupidly and very slowly is like <laughs> let me reach for the shotgun ever so slowly and when she does mia attacks her legit straddles her and just full-on like face-to-face -face, like mouth-to-mouth -mouth pukes <laughs> mouth and all over her face it's disgusting and grotesque it's one of the it's one of the first times we get like really ridiculous amounts of like bodily fluids it's it's border, border, on the border. Toe is maybe off of camp, like just, just ever so. Slightly. We have a toe in camp. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. It, By it, this point, we are tiptoeing into camp. But it's the chunks. It's the chunks in Olivia's hair that, it, for me. <laughs> Girl, did you eat corn for breakfast? What is oh, that? Oh my God. If we 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 knock Mia out, and we immediately need to figure out how we can tranquilize her. And it's it's, oh, it's chaos. they knock her out the best way though. Like Olivia, full on just like chucks her, rightfully so, but chucks her down the stairs into the cellar. And what's even more creepy is that as soon as she falls downstairs, and uh, Eric, right, Eric goes to slam the door. She's already upright, standing at the bottom of the stairs, oh. very creepily. And she looks like um, Blair Witch Project. No, she looks like uh, Samara from The Ring. Ooh, that's a good reference. Hello, Samara. We're going to talk to you next week. But we move into, like, this, the possessed. Bus. Vomit. 
Then we immediately go into Olivia in the bathroom, and it... Olivia sees her possessed self, much like Mia saw her possessed self, and the possessed versions of themselves are always wicked. I'm so f***ing mm-hmm. for this vision. And mm-hmm. the thing that just pulls pulls me in and terrifies me is when she's seizing and she begins to urinate herself. Yes. I've seen that done in a handful of horror movies. One that really comes to mind is Suspiria, and I highly recommend anyone watching the Suspiria remake if you're down for some crazy weird shit for three hours. Ooh. This, for me, is one of the scariest things. Having the inability to have control over your own body terrifies me. Like, I, I didn't realize mm-hmm. that until we were doing this podcast, quite honestly. This is f***ed up shit, and immediately we see what she does to herself. How do you describe what she did to herself? it's so she takes like a broken shard of the mirror and essentially gives herself almost like a joker kind of like a chelsea grin yeah on both sides of her mouth and almost to the point where she completely cuts off her jaw her lower jaw it's horrendous and the noise the noise of her carving through her skin and the muscle like the muscle tissue is to be noted the makeup is to be noted the acting is to be noted especially like for me she really sells it of because we get this really dope shot of her walking into the bedroom from the bathroom trying to finish the syringe and she just stops dead in her tracks and that's when you know it's starting because her possession takes over almost immediately because Mia's like Vomit got vomited into her, into her mm-hmm. mouth. Yeah. This is how COVID started. So it hits her a lot faster and shut up. <laughs> and so she, we get this really cool shot that pans from her feet all the way up to her face. And like, that's when you see the urine trickling down her legs. And then when you finally make it to her face, her eyes are like half open and she's just twitching and tweaking and seizing. It's very real. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's what sells me on all of it is that it's grounded in reality enough that it can bend reality. Because when Eric comes in and she's fully possessed and she attacks him, it multiple times, I've seen this movie so many times. I love this movie. But every single time she goes in with that syringe, it's a wince every Ooh. single time she stabs him. Yes. Oh my god. It's it's very visceral. It gets a reaction out of you. It's feral. And it, it is feral. It's the noises that she's making and she's just going like ham. Like if this is a syringe, she's just like ree, 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 going ham and getting him in the eye. She breaks the glass on his glasses. She gets him in the eye and then he has to literally pull the needle so, uh, out of his eye socket. It it's was in so every sick. ad. I remember that specific shot being in every single trailer of him pulling out the eye because it's extreme. <laughs> it's so good. It's just Eric kills me because you really, you fucked up your own back. Yeah, you kind of yeah, had it coming. Eric gets probably the worst of all of it because he read out of the deservedly so. Yes, because yeah. he deserved it, and that's kind of what I love about this script. It's kind of f-ed up. It's like you are mad at this character, so we're gonna make him go through it. Stabbed in the eye, stabbed with the mirror, broke his own back because he slipped on the toilet, and then he has to kill his own friend. And it when David finds him and mm-hmm. he lets out another scream, it's just it's terrifying. It's terrifying, and then you finally. It's get to a second to breathe for a second especially because when he's beating her with the piece of like the chunk of porcelain he's screaming himself like he's horrified about what he has to do 
because she doesn't stop. She keeps coming at him even when her jaw is broken and she can't move her legs. She's still crawling to get him. This demon is so feral and it feels like, especially when it's fully revealed, to me, it feels ancient. Like this thing has been Mm -hmm. wanting and waiting to get out. It's got something to prove and it's terrifying. Yeah, it does. David takes Eric out to the tool shed to dress his wounds with duct tape. Eric is losing too much blood, and David sends Natalie back inside to make him some sugar water. Eric comes clean with David and tells him that he read a passage from the book, a prayer that unleashed something. Back in the house, Natalie is making the world's worst pitcher of Kool-Aid when Mia breaks open the door to the basement and catfishes her into coming downstairs. Mia manages to capture Natalie in the basement and seduces her with an epic box cutter tongue scene. Right after that, she gives her a big bite on the arm. Mia goes in for a good old-fashioned makeout sesh, thus possessing Natalie as well. David is able to pull Natalie out of the basement before Mia kills her. David secures the basement door with chains and nails, and back in the room, Eric explains more of the book and this taker of souls to David, while Natalie dresses her bite wound in the kitchen. The boys argue about the validity of what's happening in the cabin as Natalie realizes her wound, but not wound, is spreading up her arm and taking over her body. This may sound mean, but I don't care for Natalie because I know nothing about yeah. Natalie. <laughs> Nobody asked. She's a know-nothing character. She's just another body for the count. But she does get a wicked kill. She oh. gets one of the wickedest set pieces because she's kind of... Th- no, we go down to the dungeon a lot. We get her scene with evil Mia. And we get what also something that was shown a lot in the theaters, the infamous tongue flaying scene. Yeah. How do you feel about the tongue flaying scene? I think that's epic. It's so wicked. It's such a great, like, extreme move for the movie. Like, it's definitely something to amp up the gore factor, which definitely did that. It definitely did that. We get some infamous shots of Mia teasing like the, like we did in the original movie. And when she does pull her down, she gives me also... I don't know why. I think it's so funny. I know I'm supposed to be repulsed when a demon yells at you and stuff like that. But every single time we get like, your mother's just scrub stocks in hell. We get some more here. <laughs> I, I can smell your filthy soul. Oh, uh, yeah. She was talking about her vagina. Oh. And then we get the splitting and I've... I think she would have killed her by death by blood kiss. And that's disgusting. She was literally drowning her with a kiss of blood. That's Ooh. Fede, what are you going th- were you going through a breakup at this time? Like what is this is some <laughs> fuck shit. Because she also tells her to kiss me, you dirty. Yeah, they get very graphic here. Mm-hmm. It's disturbing. And Natalie just kind of winces and that deals with it. Natalie's just kinda here. I feel really bad because she's the only character that's like yeah, you're gonna die. Bye. I, I mean, we knew she was going to because we get no context out of her. For, we get no story from her. We, she barely has any lines in the movie. And the lines she does have are, you know, not memorable. It's my opinion! Before it can take full control of her brain, Natalie decides to cut off her own arm using one of the old school electric knives you used to carve a turkey. David finds her and after her self-amputation, knocks out the power and dresses her wounds with what else? Duct tape. As they wait for the rain to stop, Eric explains what he deciphered in the book, that the only way to stop this is for the possessed to be cleansed of one of three ways. A live burial, body dismemberment, or purification by fire. Da da da. <laughs> amputation. Oh my god. The amputation this scene. This is great. I... 
was not expecting this and it was fantastic it was gory and the fact that we use like an old 1970s turkey carver to do it is so aesthetically pleasing to me i think you're totally right i think you're totally right <laughs> it's this is once again borderline camp like this is ridiculous she's cutting off her possessed also fantastic arm movements by our actress who plays natalie was she a dancer because <laughs> it was very like mm. but when she started she was cutting, a voguer she was oh sis imagine imagine oh my god someone needs to do a voguing routine where they're slowly becoming possessed i would love that that'd be so sick anyway that would be sick the, it's so camp but the blood is ridiculous. The carving is ridiculous. It's, yes. it's also Mia yelling at Natalie, don't do it, don't do it. Oh my God. <laughs> I forgot about that part. I love it because at first, actually we forgot to mention that as the the arm possession is taking over, it actually does take over Natalie. It gets to her head and she becomes, she slowly starts to get there and then she's able to pull herself out of it and she snaps out of it. And that's when she grabs a turkey carver and that's when Mia's calling from the from the basement, don't you do it, you little bitch. Don't cut it off. What are you doing? And she goes in and she cuts the damn thing off. It's the snap and, it doesn't, and then the scream. And it doesn't fully come off until David gets to the kitchen and she turns around and her arm is just hanging on by a tendon, a single vein, and then it just... And it falls to the ground. And it's the line, I had to do it. I feel much better now. Like she, mm -hmm. like she's the drunk girl at the party who just threw up. She's like, I feel so much better, guys. <laughs> Let's go get some pizza. And it's, I find this so fascinating because we have to, you've tried to read me all the time that I don't like body horror. Normally, I really don't. But that's because some body horror for me just doesn't have depth or a reasoning behind it. It's just kind of like... Mm -hmm rich people killing people i'm like cool if i wanted to see that i turn on the news so it's like this oh. on the other hand has some depth a little more depth to it there's possession to it there's a reason why they're wanting to chop off their arms and shit it it yeah it gives it visceralness that i like oh we also eric tries to burn the book eric at one point tries to burn the book and all oh, i can think of was <laughs> it's protected by magic it's protected by magic. Hello, it's a book of the dead. It's not. It's you can't just burn it. It's, like it's you saw, you saw what it conjured up. What makes you think it's gonna burn? David is hesitant about killing his sister, and Eric calls him a coward. In the middle of the argument, the now fully possessed Natalie is armed and decorated with an electric nail gun. She shoots Eric down and disables David. Natalie looks for something a little more damaging and returns with a crowbar that she uses to beat Eric with. When David shoots her arm off, she swings back around to her normal self, guilting David right before she croaks. David drags Eric outside and says that he's going to have to do what he has to do. He proceeds back into the cabin and begins dousing it in gasoline. When he's done, he flicks open his lighter when he hears Mia singing their mother's lullaby from the basement. David can't kill her, so he tries to save her. He jimmy rigs a defibrillator using a car battery, some wires, and the leftover syringes. He heads down to the basement to retrieve Mia when she attacks him viciously, damn near drowning him until the still not dead Eric comes to save him, knocking Mia unconscious with the crowbar, but not until she stabs him one last time, finally killing Eric. <sighs> the saga that is Eric, but let's rewind and then hit play. 
David is too much of a coward to actually do anything, and Eric calls him out. David, 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 you're such a coward, David. (laughs) (laughs) And Eric calls him out on it, and then immediately, Natalie, who, by the way, not only has the nail gun, but continues to keep shooting herself in the head with said nail gun. She saw a picture, a pinhead, and was like highlights. Just around the face. Just around my face. It's disturbing. They look stunning. God. And then she goes in and just shoots off, takes David out, and then gets a crowbar, and it's the snapping of Eric's arm. We go back to the, like, animalistic primalness of it all that they kind of degrade down to because she comes back in with the crowbar and it's just like it's her movements are almost robotic and quick like there's resistance it's like it's like there's resistance from natalie like she doesn't want to do it but she has no choice it's fantastic and the makeup is fantastic the effects are fantastic it's all great it's all great It's all great right across the board. I said emotional brutality again, and this demon loves to f*** with people. Because when we do finally get rid of Natalie and her gets her other arm taken off, that's when the demon decides to leave Natalie's body, and it's the line, Why does my face hurt? Why does my <laughs> face hurt? It's, it's so f***. It's, it's f***ed, and I also didn't expect her to die right there. I thought the demon was still trying to like f*** with uh, David and was going to like try and go in for one last step, but... She literally just dies. And I was like, oh, she dies in his arms. Yeah, that's what I like. You feel for it. Granted, like I said, we don't know anything about Natalie. And you're just like, I don't give a go off. You made me feel something. You know why? I think because you feel for David. And that was like, quote, his love. Apparently, maybe possibly. I don't know. He may be a little gay. In my head, he's gay. Everybody's gay. But you just want him to be gay. I just want him to be gay. 80s montage. Oh, (laughs) Your favorite. I love we a montage. We do get an 80s montage of David gathering materials to Jimmy rig a defibrillator because that's something he knows how to do. <laughs> so he takes a car battery, some wires, and the leftover syringes and somehow is able to Jimmy rig a defibrillator. Sure. sure. If I'm able to believe all the other ridiculous stuff in this movie, I can I can believe this. It's, it's, it's the quick cuts. It's a... And we get a quick cut of the chainsaw for further foreshadowing. It's going to be so good. It's still going to be so good. It's This is the camp. These are the camp elements that it knew that it needed to play with. And f- me with a chainsaw. It did. And it's, I'm so glad that it did. Because you need a moment of levity after just seeing all of this brutality going on. Mm-hmm. From here, David moves down into the basement. And we get Mia attacking him. It's a really good action sequence. He almost drowns. And somehow... Somehow, with what energy that is left in Eric's body, he manages to to take Mia down and sedate her. David really needs to step his pussy up if Eric can do this. Like, you need to be Seriously, able, like... Eric's literally on his deathbed and still managed to save your ass. But fi- finally, finally, Mia f***ing finishes off Eric. Thank God. Yeah, he needed to die. He, poor guy. He got stabbed with the mirror, stabbed with needles multiple times, broke his own back, mm-hmm. got shot with a nail, nail gun, gun. Mm-hmm. multiple times, crowbar went through, pounded on the head, as well as taking out his arm. Mia also still manages to stab him with the 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 box cutter. Oh. That's how he dies. Yep. He dies by box cutter. This man That's should really never. Way to go. This man should never go to a Home Depot. Ever. A box cutter. B- bitch from, o- from Office Depot. Not even Home Depot. Office Depot. That was an office supply store. 
So David literally just lets his friend's corpse rot in some dirty basement water while he goes back upstairs to bury his now conscious and still possessed sister. She attempts to guilt and fool him one last time, but David doesn't fall for it. He finishes out the task and buries Mia alive. After listening for her heartbeat to stop, he unburies her and attempts to revive her with no success. He covers her body back up and begins to walk away when Mia calls out for him, now back to normal. He tells her to wait outside while he goes inside for the car keys. When he does, he stops, admiring a picture of him and his friends when they were younger. A now possessed Eric comes up behind David, striking him down. He runs back to the front door, handing Mia the keys and telling her to run. He pushes her out, locking the door. He turns around to face Eric, and he takes the gun out and shoots the last round, igniting the gas he had laid out earlier when he intended to burn Mia alive. The house is set ablaze, and Mia sobs outside, picking up the necklace her brother gifted her. Okay, so, we have a moment of quiet, and the whole quiet is David having to bury his sister. And we get some dark shit. We get some really dark shit. Remember when we talked about their mother and her addiction and everything that goes on? Well, hold on. I also mm-hmm. have to really mention, I can't believe he dressed her up. He, like, totally put her in her dress. He's like, if I'm going to bury you. her. I was <laughs> waiting. I was waiting to mention that. Why did he change her? Why did he put her in some, like, red lacy dress? What Maybe was it was like, a, if she's dead, she's dead and she could be buried in, like, whatever. I don't know. I don't want to think about it. It's, like, it's such a weird notion. It's some it flowers the in the dress? attic oh. shit. Yeah. I don't know. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> But we get some really dark shit again while he's burying her with a bag over her head. Because once again, everybody, we really do bury Jane Lovey. It's the only way to do it. You got to really bury your actresses. How else are you going to get a performance out of her? (laughs) But while it's happening, the demon goes in, reads him the house down boots, talking about how he was never there, that she had to watch Mm -hmm. their mom die, that she watches from hell and she waits for him. It's just, it's... It's royally f***ed. She gives it. She Jane also Levy does. Gives it. She does. And she also does this really creepy thing that still haunts me where she's got the bag her face and she's doing the. Did you the keep breathing a bag by really your hard. side just to do that bit? No, <laughs> I just. No, I was eating these and I just so happened to have the bag here. But she does that really scary thing where she has the plastic bag over her face and Ugh. she's she's pretending that she's struggling to breathe like that she's dying. Obviously, she is. And he gives no f***s. And I'm glad. I'm glad that he decides to still go through with it and bury her. I don't really believe, and I know I'm forced to just believe it, that he could hear her heartbeat through all that dirt and that he buried her deep enough. Whatever. Sure, I believe it. But this is a great scene because this is where we really get the demon really trying to f*** with David. And it's just a great emotional beat because up to this point, they have been torn they have not seen each other at one point she rips off his necklace and and says that he's never been there so they go through it as as two characters and to have this moment i think is beautifully excellent because you feel for them you want her to be alive she is alive so it's great i thought the movie was gonna end here same (laughs) until eric clapton made his comeback (laughs) and knocked down david Eric Clampton comes ex- out with a guitar and stabs David. <laughs> I wasn't expecting it. Bitch, Eric really just does not die in this movie. He just won't die. Okay, I want to talk about this because you mentioned earlier that Mia is what is our hero. I believe you to an extent. This movie starts off with David. 
I think this movie wanted us with David the whole time. Mia is a main character, but we're supposed to follow David because we mm-hmm. learn about things about Mia through David. We learn about the Necrocomicon through David. So we follow David. This movie decides to pull a psycho at the last act of your movie. And I think that is excellent because immediately we switch main characters. Mia was part of the main cast, but now she is the main character. And I mm-hmm. think that is wicked because I was gagged the house down boots when he blows up the cabin gagged house down boots I wasn't I didn't know he was gonna die I don't recall to be honest I think I only remember like what actually happens Mm -hmm. I'm I'm also not like a horror geek like you are for Evil Dead but um, I do appreciate this shot of the cabin going up in flames as Mia like is outside screaming and crying for now dead brother. I think it's a great scene. I think it's great cinematography. I Mm -hmm. love the flames bursting out of the windows. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. It's fantastic. Great story beat. Great shot. And then what I thought was our finale is not our finale. And then the true finale begins. This is like a final boss fight, literally in some like hell bent video game. And it's great. When Mia thinks she's made it into the clear, it begins to rain blood. And the demon Abomination rises and pulls themselves from the underworld and walks the earth. Mia tries miserably to make a getaway, but only makes it as far as the tool shed. She makes her way inside and arms herself with a chainsaw. She tries to hide in the crawl space, but is quickly driven out by the Abomination. She crawls up from the shed and hides underneath the jeep where she is able to cut off one of the demon's legs, rendering it immobile. When she attempts to crawl away, the beast rolls the jeep onto Mia's arm, pinning her to the ground. She finally musters the strength and rips her arm off from underneath the jeep. She stumbles to her feet and gets a grip on her weapon. The demon crawls to her, exclaiming, it's going to feast on your soul. Mia lets out a feast on this and shoves the chainsaw into the demon's mouth multiple times, ultimately sawing it in half. The demon squeals in anguish, and its corpse sinks into the ground back to the underworld. The ransom of blood stops, and the sun begins to come out. Mia picks up her gifted necklace and walks away, dripping in blood. We see the blood-soaked Necrocomicon on the ground flip through the pages and slam shut. And our movie ends. Holy f***ing shit. You, You needed to hear every syllable. This finale is one of my favorites. I think it's f***ing fun, and I need to hear what you have to say. I think this is a great finale. This so ridiculous and over the top with gore and blood and just, like, demon knowledge. Like, if you're going to do Evil Dead, this is how you do Evil Dead. Like, if you're going to take iconic source material like that, you need to elevate it. And that's what Fede Alvarez did. He elevated it and took it to an even campier, more horror aesthetically pleasing than what Sam Raimi did. And then that's not to discredit what Sam Raimi did. It's just a different it's version. Just, it's just a different version. And I it's it's definitely like a hardcore Evil Dead fan went out and made their own Evil Dead movie. And I love it. Um, it's so this, rad. This finale is great. I love that Mia just bitch you like you said we thought it was over you think the movie is about to end you're waiting for the credits to roll and then all of a sudden mia gets hit with like blood drops on her face she's like, what and she starts pouring buckets of blood rain on her 
She thought it was over and bitch, the abomination starts to crawl its way out of the ground. And that is another iconic shot because it it mimics the the cover of Evil Dead of the person crawling out of the ground and being dragged under. That's the imagery I get. Yes! This, this shot itself is so wicked. I want to know how they did it because it starts off with Mia's head. And it, she's just holding up the blood with the necklace in her hand. Which, by the way, the necklace, when it's on the ground, is in the shape. The chain itself is in the shape of a skull. Just like the original Evil Dead. We love that. Come on. We love references on references on references. Mm-hmm. But then the camera goes from her head and then just swoops down. And it's the arm trying to reach out and get her. It's so good. It's so, it's so good. This is one of my favorite finales. I think just, like, period. Because you it, it it's so camp. Like, we are full Evil Dead camp. There's mm-hmm. buckets of blood. That At one point, the abomination yells at her and says, You're gonna die here, you pathetic junkie. And all that she has to say, I don't even think this is me. I think this is Jane Lovey at the end of the shoot of, I've had enough of this shit. Yes! <laughs> yes! Have <laughs> I been through enough? It's, it's so good. It's so good. And we get the ultimate final girl sacrifice. Our final girls go through the ringer always. Mia? First she gets chased into the tool shed and gets sliced up with like some machete that the demon mm-hmm. has for some reason. Then makes her way out of there. She gets chased underneath the jeep and this is where she makes the ultimate sacrifice. And this is where we get the ultimate like nod to the original Evil Dead franchise. Which I wasn't expecting. Ash. Because it doesn't happen to Ash until later on into the movies. So I wasn't mm-hmm. ready for him to lose his hand, for her specifically, Mia, to lose her arm like that. She rips it off and it's disgusting. You hear the crickling, you hear the gishing, you hear the crunching. Mm-hmm. And she just throws her stub into this chainsaw and she says to feast on this motherfucker. This is the most brutal death in the whole movie. This is wicked. It's like you're in Vegas and this is a blood fountain that some f***ed up artist made. The <laughs> amount of blood that gushes out it's of this half thing. It's, yes, mama. This is performance art. How do you feel about it? I think it's great. I think it's so campy and over-the-top fantastical. That That's the perfect cherry on top of this already fantastically gory, cheesy, campy goodness that I love this movie for. It's it's delightfully demented. It's wonderful. She wins. She survived. She overcame her addiction. She's now wandering through the forest. So hopefully she gets home. We'll see. Rumor had it that there was supposed to be a new movie that would gear up Ash and Mia to team up together to fight demons from oh. the Necronomicon. Because at the end of this movie, at the very, very end of this movie, we literally Most get a team. shadow silhouette. Like a silhouette. Of- Mm-hmm. of Bruce Campbell and all he says is groovy and turns to the camera and that's it. I love it. I love that they put that in there. But here we are. This wild, wild ride of a movie. It's, we're barely alive. You've got one arm. I've got nails in my head. How do you <laughs> feel and what are you going to give this week's final mm, I'm going to say rent it if you've never seen any of the like evil dead movies but buy it if you have if you're a fan of the evil dead movies why why is that your answer i'm actually surprised because i feel like people who aren't huge like evil dead fans or horror fans might not really enjoy this as much as people who hold the the franchise near and dear 
but it still is a good standalone movie where you don't have to know you you don't have to be familiar with the franchise to just appreciate this movie as a standalone but i feel like if you really love this movie i think it's a great re-envisioning of the sam raimi classic i would i would agree i would agree however my weak score is to f***ing buy the shit out of it duh it's I don't agree with you in the terms of if you're not a fan of Evil Dead, this may not be for you. I think even without that in the equation, this is a fantastic, brutal f- movie. It's a great time. It's some wild, wicked just like imagery. And Jane Levy. Jane Levy, surprisingly enough, because of this episode, I've just like, maybe she's a final girl that I just don't credit because she deserves a final girl title for sure. Yeah, 100% deserves a final girl title. For the end of our month, closing out our Screamakes month is our last version of Remakes. We've done it all, but now it is time to talk our first J-Horror remake. You have seven days until next week's episode of The Ring. Give us the rings! Give us the rings! I'm so stoked. I am so nervous. I am mixed. I actually haven't seen The Ring in a hot, hot minute, so we'll see if it still holds up. But yes. this was huge at the time. Huge. Huge. huge Started mistake. another J-horror boom. I'm so excited to talk oh about God, it. I know. So excited to talk about it. But if you loved what you hear, you can follow us on our Instagram at the Carpenter Queens. Our Twitter is at Carpenter Queens. My personal account is Nicholas Alexander Photography. My personal account is at STFU Ray. We would love for y'all to leave a comment and rate the podcast wherever you are listening. We, if you love what you hear, hit the subscribe or follow button wherever you are streaming. That concludes this week's episode, Queerdos. We are excited to end this month of Scream Makes. And, then we only have one and month next left. week's going to be a doozy. Oh, yeah. And our, our season's almost over. Ah! Woo! Vacation! Vacation, yeah. Bye, everybody. Vacation, <laughs> 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 bye, 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 bye. bye. <laughs>